Hello, before we get started on today's episode, just a few quick things to say. Today is our Christmas in July special, so welcome. If you saw any of the sneak peeks on social media, which you can find links to in the description below, whichever platform you're using, they will be there. All right, that's the first thing. Second thing is, this is a very old recording. This is from December of 2020. We did intend to start releasing episodes way sooner than January, but we just didn't have time to do so so we didn't actually get to release this episode during the holiday season so it was saved for a later date so you're going to notice that we are on our old format of picking multiple different movies and talking about them we will of course tell you what those movies are in this podcast second thing is is you're going to notice audio quality is a little different region is on his old mic and things might sound a little quieter than usual but other than that it's pretty up to snuff so Without further ado, happy holidays. Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Today, I'm joined by another guest, T. How are you doing today? Doing right. What's up, everybody? Tell us a little bit about your history or special story with movies and what makes you get into them, especially the movies you're into today, and what do you enjoy the most about movies? What I'm most into today, yeah, I'm a big nerd. I think I think we all here can probably vouch for that. <laughs> so I've seen like all the Marvel movies. I've seen pretty much all the DC movies. I've seen Star Wars, any sort of nerdy sci-fi thing. I, I have a degree in nerd. <laughs> yeah, I anything like that. I love comedies. I've always loved laughing and anything action, sci-fi. I just, I love films. So I've always, it's always been a special thing to go to the movies for me. Growing up in a small town with basically nothing to do, that was one thing we could always do is go to our local theater and watch movies. And you know it's an escape from reality for a couple hours and live in another world, learning about some story. So that's great. I think we can all relate to that on some note about escaping reality for X amount of time and just being involved in this world and getting invested in these characters. Especially this year with the pandemic, which has sucked because, you know, you can't go to the movie theater. (laughs) Ah, yes, but we got the Mandalorian, so we're all good. This is the way. So, Cookie and Regent, how are you both doing? Pretty good. I mean, I'm looking forward to having the next few days off with family for the holidays and glad to be back. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Happy holidays to everyone that's listening. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Any other holiday you celebrate. Insert blank right in. (laughs) Insert your holiday here. (laughs) Yes, if we miss one, please don't flame us. We're happy to include everyone in this. So today we will be just discussing a topic close to the holiday we are choosing to celebrate, which is Christmas. We each brought a different movie that we watched, brought a Christmas story. T, since you're the guest, why don't you tell us what you brought? I am bringing Elf, the classic. Indeed. Cookie, what you got? I have the most amazing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ooh, that's one I've never seen, so I'm excited to get into that one. Regent, what you got? 
I'm bringing a family classic in a Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm, nice. So let's go ahead and dive into T's first, since he's our guest. We'll start with him. Elf. Elf is the story of a, a human who wandered into Santa's toy sack when he was a baby. So then he was raised by elves. And then he learns as when he's fully grown, I think he's, I think he said like roughly in his 30s, I, I don't know, it's Will Ferrell, that he was actually a human and it's a culture shock. And then he goes to, he learns about his father and wants to go meet him. And the thing that I find so amazing about this performance by Will Ferrell is he captures a childlike innocence of someone who's never, you know, seen our world in a way that I was, you know, it's, it's blow, it blows me away. And it's constantly like, I constantly, I was dying. I can quote practically the whole movie because it's so funny. Yeah, I feel like Will Ferrell was just in his natural habitat. For sure. I personally think it's, it's Will Ferrell's best film. That's saying something because there are a lot of people that love a lot of his films, but I just think it's his peak. Yes. Actually, interesting note about that. So when they were writing this, they had a lot of trouble with finding someone to produce it, finding a studio to allow them to actually make this movie. And the actor they wanted the most for this role was, in fact, Will Ferrell. So they literally made this role for him. And that's why it fits so well to his personality. I brought a little bit of cookie today with his insider knowledge. I did watch something on Elf, so they did make this role for him. That's something I did not know. Yeah, I remember Elf when that first came out. It, I actually didn't watch it when it first came out. It took me till I was like in college. Chosen set of white girls convinced me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> but uh, I liked it. I think Elf is a great movie. Of course, I think mine's better, but, you know, that's just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. There's a lot of really good Christmas movies. When I got the subject, I was like, man, this is hard because there was like four movies I could could have picked from. I watched another one and I watched The Santa Claus, which was one of my options. I remember enjoying it a lot more as a kid, especially it, you know, it hits home with, you know, like their parents being separated and whatnot. Definitely feels dated after watching it today because you can definitely see some i don't know what, what the correct term would be but like you know tim allen's got to be the macho man in the beginning and there, there's definitely some things that were okay in the 90s that i don't think would fly today yeah i feel like you're bringing up a good point because i do feel like a lot of holiday movies you know especially christmas movies they are dated to that time so it's like when you're watching it to me one of the best ways to watch it is to think about its time and setting we kind of all naturally kind of have it relate to us we'll relate to certain characters but i think that is important to remember like when they're making these movies they're trying to capture what society is how you know how they'll celebrate christmas at that moment in time yeah that's for sure and that's one of the reasons why i think Elf is probably going to be one of my all-time favorites is I feel like it's it's kind of timeless. There definitely is some things that probably that were definitely very early 2000s, like it came out in 2003. There's definitely some things that feel in that time frame, but the majority of it, I definitely felt like it still was relatable today. You know, I mean, it's all about him learning about the world and nothing's nothing's as it seems. You know, he's one of the funny parts is like he's talking about how he travels through travels to New York. And he's like, I traveled through the seven layers of the candy cane forest past the sea of swirly, twirly gumdrops and then through the Lincoln Tunnel. And you're just like, well, you know, I've never been to New York, but it's a it's a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you know, and, and they're like and they're like, you know, don't eat the yellow snow. 
well, of course, you know, we all know that that's, that's a funny joke to us, but like for someone who's never been outside of the quote unquote North pole. Yeah. You're definitely not going to understand that, you know? And he's like, he's at his work with his dad and his dad gets a call and he answers the phone. He's like, buddy, the elf was your favorite color. You know, it's like super, super excited to meet everybody and everything. It, it just, I felt like that, that was cool. Yeah, that's something I really enjoy about Elf is Buddy's character throughout the entire film. It's like he has three things going on for him. He has that like fresh, almost childlike wonder of everything. New things that he's never experienced before. He's like, oh, wow, what's this? He also has this love of Christmas that while you're watching it, you can't help but feel something similar it's infectious. Like, you're like oh man yeah it's it's infectious they did such a wonderful job with making you feel that same love for christmas yeah you know the best way to spread christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear i mean <laughs> and then the third thing it has going for it is definitely like the family aspect of it there are going to be troubles and things that get in the way of family during christmas but at the end of the day the people you really want to spend Christmas with is your family. I really enjoyed the different things that Elf and Buddy's character has going for him throughout this film. Mm -hmm. Another thing I feel like I, I was thinking about, there's there's definitely a great musical score throughout. I mean, there's a lot of classic songs in there. As I was watching it, I was surprised at all the people that I didn't realize were in it. Like, of course, everybody knows Will Ferrell, James Caan, Bob Newhart. Those are like at the forefront, Zoe Deschanel. But Ed Asner, it plays Santa, and like he's been a big name for a long time. Peter Dinklage, which I I knew he was in there. He's a little writer. And then I thought it was kind of funny that Andy Richter and Kyle Gass, Andy Richter, who's now with Conan, and Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. I was like, holy crap, that's, you know, Tenacious D. Like, and I didn't even know that Deb, his secretary, is in Mandalorian the whole time. I'm just like going, these people are like big people. Yeah, almost 20 years ago, you didn't picture that back then, especially like Peter Dinklage. Like. I was about to say, the Dinkles. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the first time I've ever seen Peter Dinklage and Zoe Deschanel in, in anything that I can remember. Of course, I think I was 10 when that came out. So, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Musical score is composed by John Denby, who has worked with John Favreau, the director. Even after this, he worked on the Iron Man movies. He did one of the Predators. Looks like the newer one. Is it called The Predator? Yeah, but like Chef, he did the movie Chef. He's just in a lot of stuff. The Lion King, if I remember correctly. The recent one, the live action or 3D, mm -hmm. however you want to say. Or the Jungle Book. I always get that mixed up. It's, it was either Lion King and or the Jungle Book, the, the recent one. So, But he's a very talented director. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to pick Predator because I was like, that doesn't give him enough respect. <laughs> man, like, that's low on his list. So. The, well, yeah. And, and I mean, John Favreau, John Favreau right now, just about everything he touches turns to gold. I mean, I mean, he was he was around in like the 90s and early 2000s. Well, he was in Swingers. Like it was such he was in crappy movies. Oh, he was with Ben Affleck Daredevil. Yeah, I would never, ever picture that guy to be who he is today. Yeah. Fantastic director that he is now. So got a couple questions about Elf for you guys, and then we can move on to the next movie. What would be your guys' most endeared or favorite moment from this movie? Go to region first. Oh, man. From all his quotes, but I think scene-wise, it has to be him running around in the revolving doors to the point when he gets dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> also, the party scene in the basement with the mail carriers. 
<laughs> uh, the warehouse employees at the bottom of the of the store. It's a mail mail room, yeah. Yeah, it's a mail room, yeah. And they they're all like convicts. Mm-hmm. This is absurdity, absurdity of it. What about you, Cookie? So for me, you know, this is just being honest about it. So I, I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan. However, I'm not really an elf fan. Now, I will give it credit, though, is that I have seen it and I do feel like it is definitely one of the best Christmas movies. Not necessarily something I want to watch all the time, but everywhere during the holidays, it's, it's everywhere. It's on the TV. It's in the theaters again. So I definitely give it full respect as being one of the best Christmas movies. And I definitely agree. You know, it's timeless. So for me, I don't really have too many favorite scenes. But other than I will say to give a a good answer, just pretty much anything that Will Ferrell just really like. I don't know if he ever improv. I never looked up. He did. So that is the best part of the movie for me is like if I could just get a splice of that, you know, just give me the improv reel. I would watch that over and over. That that would be the biggest piece for me. If you want some improv scenes to sort of go off of when he did like the first run around of New York with like eating the gum, running around the revolving doors, running through like the cars, jumping on like the sidewalk lines, all that was improv. They literally just had a camera crew and Will Ferrell. They didn't give him any instructions. Everyone in the background are just people going about their day. That's how you know you have somebody who's like really good at what they do is they can just do it. I mean, they're some of the most famous. They're one of the most famous scenes I can think of is when it comes to improv is Dustin Hoffman smacking the car and I can't think of the movie, but he's like, "Hey, I'm walking here." Yeah, like like that's like that was they were just walking around New York and in character he responds. I mean, even back to John Favreau in Spider Man, Robert Downey Jr. Like he's like, "I'm gonna sit now." That's that was fully improved with Tom Holland. Forgot his blocking. That's I just think that's cool when you have somebody who's really good at what they do. What is your favorite scene, T? My favorite scene, it's a toss-up. There's a couple good ones. I really like when he fully decks out gimbals. Like he builds all he puts up all the like Christmas decorations and builds like massive Lego set because I always thought that was super cool. I like the snowball fight. I always wanted to get in like decimate somebody in a snowball fight like that. Like I think that would be hilarious. And then it's kind of a controversial scene. It's kind of a touching moment too when he and Zoe De Chanel are singing Baby It's Cold Outside because I really like that rendition. Rendition is very good. Yeah, the scene is, you know, in today's society, problematic. But then again, it was filmed at a later, an earlier date. So, and you also have to take into consideration the fact that, you know, he probably being raised the way he was, he wouldn't know anything. Of course, you know that, like that's what she's. She's like, get out! What are you doing? You just wanted to see me naked, and it's like, well, no, he just heard singing and wanted to be wanted to sing along because he's an elf. For me, I think it would have to be like Zoe Deschanel and uh, Will Ferrell's like first date where they're going around New York doing all these things. Reason being is like you get to see his childlike wonder and his sense of Christmas magic about everything. And then you get to see her view him in this lens of just pure like bliss really it's a phenomenal scene to develop both characters at the same time because she's sort of like a more of a cold shouldered you know reserved person and you can see her slowly breaking down throughout the scene it's really nice Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's something i really enjoyed next question would be if you had to change one thing about this movie what would it be all right cookie since you don't you're not the world's biggest fan what would you change so it's it's not a nice answer, but, you know, it's the first one. So I feel like it's really m more connected to a particular type of audience. So like with the way I was raised, my culture and stuff like that, and I'm speaking more specifically for me, not speaking for culture, but just for me individually, I guess I couldn't relate to too many of the characters in the film. 
So for me, I think that's why, like, as I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool movie. You know, Will Ferrell doing his thing. But I watched it almost kind of more of a Will Ferrell, you know, this is Will Ferrell's eighth movie or something versus, oh, this is a Christmas movie. Let me get into the, you know, into the movie. So I don't know if it was more of me as a viewer needing to change my mind. And I am going by I haven't seen in years. So I don't know how diverse the cast was. But I guess, like, I just didn't feel like I could relate to too many people in the film if I, if I was to change something. But I think it's, I mean, from seeing the impact it has, I think they did right by it. I think I could kind of segue off of that. I guess that would probably be one thing I could I could say you could change is the cast wasn't as diverse. I mean, there's a few few moments when like where you have other other racial backgrounds, but for the most part it is primarily white people. So I think I think that definitely could be something you could add. You could add some more people here and there. It might feel forced in some time at some moments, but I think I think you definitely could do it. Why do all the elves have to be little white people? <laughs> The Santa Claus did didn't Santa Claus? It was one of them that like they had like a diverse cast. So just for an example, so it honestly it wasn't a big deal. Okay, Rajum, what would you change if you had to change anything? I think the only thing I would change really about the movie would be two aspects. The first one is the fact that around this time of year, how much it gets played. Because even though it is a very good movie, I've seen too many good movies be overplayed at specific points of the year to the point where it either becomes now unbearable to watch or I will not want to watch it because I just know it's going to be on like 15 times in like three to four days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can hear that. Moderation is key. Like it went well of a success, but then the, the follow afterwards to remind people, hey, remember this movie? It, it's getting beaten over the head. It's like borderline Avatar Titanic level. I don't know if that's necessarily the fault of the movie, though. That's what I'm saying. It's just the, the, the follow-up after, like like TV studios and like you know those like ABC Freeform and all those guys putting stuff out. But in directly with the movie itself, I think the one scene they could have got either rid of or sped through more was the scene where the sleigh crashed, and they're trying to get everyone to sing a Christmas song to re-energize the sleigh. Like that whole scene with like the build up and the chase felt like it was being really dragged on because it just felt like it was like five to seven minutes of something that could have been put in within like two to three. Yeah, I had never heard of the Central Park Rangers before or after that, so I, I can relate to that. Yeah, representing the Horsemen of Death, but okay. Or the Four Horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to change one thing about this movie, I think it would be the fact of we know Buddy's biological mother has some semblance of a meaning to him, but there's no time ever spent on her except for like the few moments where you see Walter, you see him look at the picture and you have like a nice somber moment where he remembers, but we never learn anything about her or really any family history for them. That's something I wish that could have been dived into. Build these characters up a bit more. They could have explored that. Maybe they were going to save it for a sequel, I guess. I, I don't know. They, they definitely have some potential to dive off on, on that. There's there's a lot of lot you could dive into on that with because it just is simply implied like they're like, well, she died and then they move on. They should not make a sequel. Not because of me, but like the bar is way too fucking high. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it would be good, but like maybe that was the idea that Favreau had at the time. I'm glad I'm glad it's a one off. No, it's because of you, Cookie. It's because of you. Yeah. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> way to go, Cookie. <laughs> yeah. You're all welcome. Something I've I've been kind of thinking about as we've been even leading up to this point is anytime I think about Christmas movies is the concept of when you're making this film, you know, you're wishing for the best, but you you don't know what's gonna be 
the cult classic. You don't know what's going to be your movie is going to be the next big thing. You know, you're always just going to try to do your best, hope to make a good product. So to me, it's just interesting to think like when they're making it, it was probably like, hey, let's just make a fun family film. We know Will Ferrell can carry a cast and we'll just see what happens. That's just magic. You can't necessarily always repeat. Sometimes it's just, you know, just all the pieces are right. Just work out together. Yeah, for sure. All right. So final question. You have to give this a rating out of 10. Start with UT. I'll go eight and a half because like I said, when I watched it, when I rewatched it, it definitely still captured that Christmas magic. There are a few things that could be improved as we've discussed. All right. Regent. I probably would have to agree with T about eight and a half. Okay. And Cookie. For me, I would say this would definitely be one of an opinion versus like what I feel like for cinema. For cinema, I feel like it's eight out of 10, but for me, seven out of 10, it's like, if you was to put it on right now, I definitely would sit down and rewatch it, but it definitely wouldn't be something like the holidays are coming up. I'm definitely gonna put Elf on my watch list. I, I wouldn't do that necessarily. I'm in the same boat. I'm gonna give it two ratings. I was thinking about this for cinematic purposes. I'm going to give it a nine and for personal viewing, I'm going to give it a six because I've seen it so many times and it's everywhere. And I feel like after a while, it does sort of lose its magic. And that's not something I want to happen to a movie. Let's move on to next topic. Regent, let's go ahead and discuss yours. All right, let's go. So Muppet Christmas Carol. So basically, if you hear just Christmas Carol, you can think of like, oh my God, how many different versions. I mean, you have like the Jim Carrey, Patrick Stewart, but this one's my personal favorite. When it comes to Muppet Christmas Carol, this is basically kind of like your family-friendly and like introductory to Charles Dickinson's work or Charles Dickens' work just because, you know, the movie came out in like 92, 93. So many young kids didn't go through his entire book and try to read it. So the movie tries to help give the general gist of it while trying to make it, you know, fun and like just a little giddy stuff to make give quick laughs like quick quips that the muppets are known for in their charm so i basically just grew up watching this movie like all the time with family because my parents would either try to watch christmas story or some other like religious based movie that would be on like the entire day on loot for it so this was kind of like my getaway to watch a christmas movie but actually just learn from a book but this is directed by brian henson so when people hear the name Jim Henson, it's the Henson family, but it's his son, Brian, taking over because Jim passed well before this movie came out. So I didn't know that. What? When did he die? Jim Henson. Let me take a look here for you. It was his directorial debut for his son, Brian, in 1992. Jim Henson passed away in May 16th, 1990. Two years later. Yeah, two years prior. Yep. So basically that was like kind of like his note to like a his book and like his dad to keep the Henson characters alive and well. But I also really enjoyed the movie because it's Mr. Michael Caine. Like you can't fun Michael Caine. <laughs> Everybody has an impression of Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easy button. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite aspects of the movie is definitely with the Muppets just being able to put a little bit of music in between like the scenes or like using them as some of the secondary characters in the book to like create the interaction. There's a couple scenes in the movie where they're like singing songs about Scrooge as he's like walking around town and Scrooge knows they're talking he's they're all talking about him and he just does this abrupt 180 and he's like, Can I help you? And everyone just like disperse like locusts because they just know that they've been spotted and they're like, Oh crap, we're in trouble. <laughs> It's a good movie for, you know, family and kids that if you want to get them into books, but you want to have some fun with it, The Muppets usually is a good way to go. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. I've never seen this version of A Christmas Carol, so I'm not too familiar with this. I'm trying to find which one I've seen. It is on Disney Plus for you guys to take 
you know, some, it's only 86 minutes long, so it's not a long version of the movie. But like your your main characters, like Kermit the Frog, he plays Bob Cratchit. So Rizzo and Gonzo play Charles Dickens, and as the narrator, like back and forth. Gonzo is the overall narrator. Rizzo adds the little like quips or questions things as go- things are going on. So he's kind of like acting like the viewer, like liaison, like making little like suggestions or like just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Then you have like the other characters, like Honeydew and Beaker. They're acting as like charity collectors trying to get money from Scrooge. You have like Robin the Frog, who's Tiny Tim. Fozzie is playing Fozziewig. Swedish Chef is playing the Fozziewig party cook as per his character. Little Tongue in Cheeks. Stoller is playing Jacob Martley. And then Wallach is Robert Marley, which are, you know, Scrooge's partner who passed away. And then you have Bean, who plays just a little boy, like, singing and, like, asking people around the town, what day is it? And <laughs> Scrooge just gets angry with them, like, how dare you speak to me? And, like, slams door point blank in his face. Yeah. yeah. The only Christmas Carol I really have references to are, like, the 1951 and then the Jim Carrey animated one. The animated one's really good. The other one I really like is Patrick Stu- Patrick Stewart's version. Okay, I don't think I've seen that one. Patrick Stewart's is more theatrical. It's more like like stage theater. I mean, that makes sense. He he, he is a stage theater actor. Yep, and then Michael, uh, Michael Caine is the family you know family Disney one, and then Jim Carrey is the animated like try to get everyone involved, but having the dark tones. This movie, there's actually really good tones of like Scrooge having this dark character, but he has like a little gaslight on that shows like a reputation. He still has like a little beacon of good in him, but then when it flips over to like Kermit and like all of his his colleagues, which are the different rats that do all the bookkeeping, there's like a bigger brightness of light around them, like trying to warm him up to like the idea of Christmas and being good. There's little kind. Of, there's just little connotations throughout the movie that represents light and dark with just what the characters are going through. It's really cool. When did Jim Carrey's Christmas Carol come out? 2009. I remember being terrified of like the ghosts in Christmas Carol when I was really little, just because like one of them had like chains. He was coming up the stairs. I remember one time my siblings, we had like these old like towing chains in like the garage. And so they would bring them inside at night. Like they would sometimes like, drag chains up the stairs and freak me out oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like oh no i'm going to die but christmas carol has some really dark undertones and as i'm revisiting it in my mind currently i'm thinking about like the end result is he's just like oh merry christmas and all that and i'm like i forget how he gets from like actual scourge to just being like i love everyone it's all about the ghosts. I mean, they show him what a shitty life he's living and, you know, bah humbug. I love the Christmas Carol. Like, that. that is a story that I actually do enjoy that every facet of Hollywood has made a rendition of. And I enjoy pretty much all of them. I don't know why, but I just think it's like a really cool story. Plus, I actually did watch it as a kid and I loved it. And I'm now, as we're talking, I'm like, I definitely want to rewatch it now. I really like when people take existing characters and then mold them into the story. That way the story feels a little bit more fresh because usually whoever they pick, Michael Caine's character, whoever they choose in that position, usually that person in the in the parody of the story like you kind of already know that character has some kind of issue so you kind of already invest it whenever they make these kind of like holiday episodes that mimics the story and it's kind of the same thing here is that we have existing muppets that like for me i grew up watching muppets muppet babies the muppet show just pretty much anything they had back in the 90s i, I watched it so it was like really fun to see them it was <laughs> it's kind of funny for me because it's like watching characters act as other characters so you're watching them someone act to be another actor within something else so it was just kind of those kind of stuff that was kind of fun for me 
See, I kind of have the converse of thing is Muppets never was a really big thing for me. So I never really watched it. And I think that's probably why I've never seen this. And I, I honestly I know A Christmas Carol, but I can't really know the story of it. But I can't really say I pinpoint any particular version. I think there was probably an animated version in the 90s or something that I probably watched. But like I, I know the story and I know I know the basics and I, I know the Muppets, but it just they were never really for me. So I can't really speak too much on it. Richard, what would you say your all-time favorite moment from this movie is? It would have to be. Oof, that's a tough one because there's there's too there's too many good ones, especially with growing up, like my dad being like a really big Jim Hansen fan and like getting me into like watching like The Muppets, Fraggle Rock, other like Dark Crystal things like that. If I had to pick a particular scene, it probably would have to be with Michael King when he's being told about the spirits. And Marley shows up, and it's it's Stotler and Water just going back and forth, just jabbing with him about his yes. eventual, eventual demise. <laughs> and Michael King just like oh, he's just like raising eyebrows, like what are you talking about? And they're just going on and off and just laughing in the background. And they have like the chains, like the chains, <laughs> they're just like floating <laughs> yeah. in the air, bobbing their chains like lures. I love those guys. <laughs> I can already hear their laughter in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember being a fairly decent fan or fairly big fan, I should say, of like the Muppets growing up. I would watch them with my grandparents, like Muppet Treasure Island and some of like their IRL moments where they're going out into the world and doing different things, living separate lives. And I was always fascinated growing up with how Jim Hansen was able to create these very unique characters that all had some sort of like different story behind them, but you could also put them in a story story that already existed like cookie was saying and you get to see both the character that they're playing and then also jim hansen's character that he's established which i really enjoy it's really good craftsmanship of both storytelling and character development which i really like if you had to i don't think all of us have watched this recently cookie have you ever seen this one I watched it while I was growing up because I think I kind of understand where T's coming from because I grew up loving Muppets and for whatever reason, which I, I don't have a definitive reason, I got out of Muppets. And I think it's because in the early 2000s, just the franchise itself wasn't as strong because in the 90s, I mean, they had cartoons. They even had a, like an actual primetime television show. They actually would have like movie guests, TV show guests, like adult guests on there kind of have like their own SNL version of the Muppets. I loved it watching in the early 2000s. I don't know. I don't remember hearing much of the Muppets having a TV show, movies or anything like that. I will admit I don't have like a favorite scene, but I will say that I have nothing but good memories of the film, mostly because like it was just fun. Like I've always enjoyed just watching Muppets do whatever. It's fascinating to me how, you know, they got these puppets, but they have so much personality. It's just so much fun to see them on screen. Now that you say that, it might be the reason I'm struggling to come up with not, not necessarily a topic, but like input on this particular movie is just the Muppets haven't been in the forefront recently. And I haven't had a reason to go back or even a reminder to go back and watch these movies or content that has been created around them. That as a brand has been struggling because a couple of years ago, they tried doing an adult version of the Muppets, like the Muppets like swearing, Kermit and Piggy talking about divorcing, like, you know, just adult generate content. And it didn't really stick with adults that grew up with the Muppets, let alone with like kids. It was being produced and released through ABC. So a lot of people are like, well, what the heck is this? Like the Muppets have always been, you know, family friendly and adventurous and fun. Where are these dark 
tones just come out of the field for. They lost a lot of steam through that. Now, before that, it was picking up some generation of buzz because of the Muppets movie and the Muppets Most Wanted, but then there was a little bit of a, a gap of momentum there. I, I don't know if Disney and the Brian... I know the Brian Henson Company is trying to keep it afloat by any means, you know, providence for, you know, the memory of his dad. Disney, I don't know if they're just doing it for, like, I don't want to say cash grabbing, but more or less like, hey, remember these guys? We'll hear something new from them almost every couple of years. Gosh, it definitely feels that way. Yeah, they, I was going to say, they've definitely had something recently. Well, and I, I figured you're referring to, I can't remember what the name of the movie was, but it's the one that uh, I think Melissa McCarthy was in. It wasn't Muppets, but it was all puppets. That's that's not the Muppets at all. That's that's a different franchise. I know what you're talking about. Th- that's all parody of the Muppets. Like the genuine Brian, he- Brian Henson, like Jim Henson Company Muppets. There hasn't really been much unless it's TV and like one or two seasons and it disappears. Like even if you guys go to like Hollywood Studios in Florida for the theme park, the Muppets have a th- 4D theater that it's a sit down like entertainment show that you put glasses on and has like all the characters. And it's the same thing for like the last 20 years. Like it hasn't changed at all. There was a rumor at one point that Disney was actually going to close the ride, even though it was an entertainment aspect more than a ride. And there was a lot of local people petitioning for it to stay open because of the Henson Company. And when the Henson movie and or the Muppet movie and Most Wanted, it forced Disney to keep it open. But the last time I was down in Florida, which was like five years ago, I know I went in with like one of my closest friends, and we were in the theater holds like roughly 500 people max. And there was maybe about like a hundred people that were sitting at the time, and it was middle of the day in August. So we were just all like, "What happened?" Basically, it the when you leave the ride or the, the show, it's a bunch of nostalgia for me. Like you can see like Kermit shirts, Miss. Piggy, Gonzo, animal stuff everywhere. But there's not enough for like Fozzie Bear, Bean, Rizzo. Like those are like small, like little knickknack things or magnets that you can get them on. But it just feels like they're focusing on the main characters that everyone knows and grew up with. I don't think there's enough momentum being driven for the Henson Company to even update the theater or update like changing it to something different. So I don't know how long that ride is going to be there to represent any piece of history in terms of. It almost feels like a relic of a, of the past to it to a certain degree. Like Cookie, you know, alluded to. I I think that's definitely why I I haven't ever seen this and whatnot. Is when I was growing up, like it was around in the '90s, and I was still fairly young in the '90s, and it, I don't know, it never really appealed to me. So then. It, and then when it, when it kind of died, died off in the 2000s, that's probably that, that would have been probably more the tar- when I was the target audience. And I mean, that makes sense for venture too, where you know you probably were way too young to ever be around. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like Disney in recent years has sort of left some products out to dry for, to a certain extent, and then they just bring it back out onto shore and you know give it a little bit of water and then hand it out to the people and be like here you go hopefully this keeps you satisfied for five years i don't know i just it feels like a shame to let such craftsmanship such you know work that people have put in and let it go to waste then again i don't want them to bleed the franchise dry either the muppet babies are back because i actually saw a commercial the other day they are back and i think that's what they're doing is going back to the roots of children was probably the most consistent of a target audience and I think if they did want to do adult audience, I think the movies, the movies prove that's just the best way instead of a, a series. So maybe just have, you know, every three or four years come up just with a really good movie with the adult forms and then just keep the kids happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it definitely is sad because like you're saying, Venture, there, there definitely is a lot of craftsmanship that went into all of those puppets and portrayal of them. Like they, they all have their own unique character. That's definitely not something to be scoffed at, whether you enjoy it or not. 
Right. Like, I'm currently not the world's biggest fan of them, but I don't know. It just feels like I don't want, like, properties like that to just sit in the dustbin. I feel like if they Disney found a way to make it more appealing to the current generation of children or young kids to be more consumable, it could really be a success again. And that'd be great to see because it's enjoyable stuff. And we can make memes because Kermit the Frog is one of the best memes ever. He's a legend. That's when he's drinking tea. Oh, yes. Hey, now, don't you drink me. <clears throat> Not going to touch that. <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. All right, I can't give this movie a rating or even a favorite scene since I have never seen this movie. To both Regent and Cookie, I will pass that on to you. What would you give it out of 10? So based on their catalog of movies, I would probably rate it more of a eight in terms of movie in its own because it is another retelling. If you're not a fan of the Muppets or you just never knew who the Muppets were and you're watching it for the first time, I would say a seven because the, the musicalness in it, a lot of people think, you know, Christmas Story is more of a darker tone story. As someone who grew up with the Muppets and in, in the books, I would give it an eight. So I have three different scores depending on how you look at the lens of the Muppets. Wow, I actually have to say I agree with Regent. He's going to have a more detailed, but I I like it. Like I I just definitely jump on what he said about that. I think that was a great rendition of all three. It's it's not my favorite Muppets movie, obviously because I haven't rewatched it any time recently. But because like to be honest, Treasure Island is one of my favorite Muppet movies, if mm-hmm. not the favorite Muppet movie. See Muppets in space as well, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think Treasure Island just has a soft spot for me. I think I think I watched it in theaters, if I remember correctly, and then watched it on VHS, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I do agree with him on, on every bit of three different perspectives. <gasps> Wait, what? The episode's over, but we didn't talk about all the movies yet. Welcome to our first two-parter. Next week, we will release the second part, so do come back to continue our Christmas in July special. But for now, thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did a like or review on whichever platform that you use to listen to podcasts is greatly appreciated and is a free way to support the podcast. Another free way is to tell a friend. So go ahead and do that. Tell someone you know, spread the podcast around. We'd love you for it. But then again, thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and we will catch you next week. Happy holidays. (music) 